get captured by Michael Myers Halloween ASMR 2022. <laughs> Is that something people want? <laughs> get captured by Michael Myers Halloween ASMR 2022. Is that something people want? <laughs> No, I, 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 you to tell me that like there's, there's a lot of people out there. There's an audience of uh, people who want to get captured by Michael Myers. I guess. Wait, hold on. How, how many views did that have? Let me check. <laughs> this is a real facts. This is forget about the pod. This is this is the real is thing the that real we need to know. <laughs> we need to address. This is the real horror. Okay, I don't want to. There's only six point two thousand people. Wait, okay, what are, the, what are the comments? I gotta see the comments. Where are the comments? <laughs> oh man, I can't. I can't. I can't match the comments. The mass scratching was so tingly. <laughs> now that is a really good quality Michael Myers mask. <laughs> What? <laughs> this is where uh, <laughs> Spooktober takes us. Dude. Wait, and then the com the guy responds. He's like, "Haha, thanks. It got burned last year in a fight with my sister." Huh? <laughs> what? Huh? <laughs> what? Oh no, it's a reference to something. Oh okay. Oh, like how he? Oh, okay, I I, I see. Uh, I, 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 he's, he's referencing the movie. <laughs> Didn't know why the mask scratching part really reminds me of raw robbery role play. What oh. is that? Another thing on YouTube? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. The stabbing part is really something for me. <laughs> Yo, get. <laughs> Can you get out before like the fucking FBI looks at your phone? Be like, bruh. Red flag alert. I just found your channel. I'm loving the Michael Myers contact. Knife emoji. Subbed. <laughs> this is a real horror. Okay. Welcome to Spooktober. Season finale. Jesus Christ. What is wrong with people? Uh, what is wrong with the world? Uh, welcome back, everybody. Michael Myers was right the whole time. <laughs> yeah. He was the he real hero. Exactly. <laughs> hey, oh, what's, the, what's that Dark Knight line again? He's the hero that we deserve. He's, yeah, he's the, hero we, he's the hero we need, not the... He's the hero we deserve, not the one we need. Yeah. Uh, well, if you haven't noticed, we're uh, talking about Halloween. The movie, not the holiday. <laughs> if anyone's confused. <laughs> but he's definitely confused. Not to be confused with Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. It's the only movie with no Michael Myers. I don't know. This is the only Halloween film I've seen. Well, seen twice because you watched it behind... My back. 
okay, apparently I'm not allowed to watch a single movie on my own. No, no, of course not. I have not. to save every movie just in case we do it on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you better consult with me first. <laughs> you want to go to the movie theater? You better hit me up first before you go see that movie. Damn right. Damn fucking right. Yes, but this is the second time I've seen it within like the past two weeks. Yeah, well. See, I, I was hoping that we can, you know, share together and just, you know, be in the moment together. Well, it, the moment's passed. Well, it shouldn't be passing. It's 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 past. The moment is over. Uh, well, I said I wasn't going to do it. Well, we're doing it now. So. Oh, well, yeah, I broke my w- rule. I said I wasn't gonna ever talk about any of my uh, top two favorite films, but look where we are now. Well, here we're doing it. Yeah. Halloween. Ten out of ten. Done podcast. Bye bye. <laughs> I mean, we could talk. <laughs> you could talk a little more about it. <laughs> uh. So yes, Halloween. Duh iconic film probably the first horror film uh series that i really got into um oddly enough the first fucking film i i ever watched that was halloween was halloween resurrection the last one of like the of the timeline like before they started doing reboots or re uh requels and shit like that. I mean, that's fine. It's like the first Friday the 13th film I watched was Friday the 13th 7 Jason Takes Manhattan. <laughs> Greatest movie ever. Just a little confused as what was going on. <laughs> Don't you just love the boxer just like trying to beat up fucking Jason? <laughs> he spends like a whole 2 minutes just Punching him. It didn't work. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah. So I want that's the so Halloween Resurrection. That's the one with Buster Rhymes. Because this is the time where like like for some reason they in every horror movie they had to add like a fucking yeah. rapper. Rapper. That was just the time of <laughs> the culture at the time. You got to have the rappers in the movies. Like it's funny because this is a sequel to Halloween H two O. No, it's not water. Is it not? <laughs> well, it's not. I mean, it's not Halloween talking about water. It's just because it was twenty years after, uh, like they brought back Jamie Lee Curtis and and all that. H twenty. Everybody calls it H two O. Not H two O. H twenty. Yeah. Yeah, um, so in that movie, they had LL Cool J. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, I guess they needed to level it up to get fucking Busta Rhymes. Yeah, exactly. And it's like the worst because you just see fucking Busta Rhymes for some reason being like into karate movies. So when he's fighting Michael Myers, he's like, what? Just the most stereotypical like shit ever. You've been playing too much of that Def Jam. 
<laughs> no, he was not doing submission moves, okay? <laughs> yeah, he's like, I, this is my moveset. Yeah, and, and, and at the end of the film, Buster Rhymes beats up Michael Myers. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah, so you can clearly tell that uh, I started off at the highest level. And then you, and then I get to watch the original Halloween on like fucking AMC Fear Fest. I think I talked about it a little bit on this podcast. That's like where I grew up watching all the fucking horror movies, especially Halloween movies, because they show that shit like on repeat. So I saw that. Then I saw Halloween 2. And then I already knew that Halloween 3 had nothing to do with Michael Myers. And then like. Four and five and six was like this own continued timeline. And then H2O happened. That started a new timeline. And then ended with Resurrection. And then they remade like with Rob Zombie. It's it's a whole mess. Yeah, as these, <laughs> as all these long-running horror franchises tend to turn out to be just huge messes. Yeah, pretty much. Because they just run out of ideas and they're like, let's just restart the whole thing. Yeah, because they just... Well, I look, as much as I am a fan and I, I'm definitely fanboying about Halloween right now, I also recognize that they suck. A lot of them suck so much. Yeah, I mean, that's unfortunately how things tend to go. Yeah. And like again, there is a debate where you can say that if this movie is good or isn't good. Is it old? Yeah. Is it old? Yeah, I mean it's nineteen seventy eight. Yeah. I mean, in compare like it only came out four years after the last film we did, which was as we mentioned, was heavily inspired by that film Black Christmas. Yeah. But you can already tell the one, the production quality is a lot a lot better than that movie oh yeah even though i think it was like did it have less budget than that movie like how much um like how much did black christmas have that's i would like to believe halloween is yeah, more budget had, yeah less budget <laughs> actually holy snap Black christmas was 686 thousand this was three hundred thousand. yeah oh wow so yeah that's, that's crazy that's uh, that just goes to show what you can do when you uh don't pay for like actors or sets or costumes, <laughs> or like spend like ten dollars on shit like that. Yeah, exactly. Be yeah. really resourceful. Yeah, I was reading like they actually didn't spend any money on costumes. They just got people to bring their own clothes. Yeah, like they said, Jamie Lee Curtis just went to J C Penney and spent like a hundred bucks. And that was her <laughs> outfits for the movie. <laughs> Damn. I mean, I guess it works because it's like technically set within like one day mostly, so they can get away with just wearing the same clothes all the time. Yeah, but like, what happens if it like rips or by accident or something happens? Well, fucking deal with it. <laughs> Buy the same clothes. J.C. Penny even exist anymore? Uh, probably. I haven't heard no J.C. Penny <laughs> commercial. Okay, the closest J.C. Penny is in. In New York, so well, yeah, in America, not here. Yeah, I was gonna say I haven't seen a J.C. Penny in. It's like like looking for a Macy's here. You can't find that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, or a Target or something like uh, that. I think I think find a Target. I'm not sure yeah, if they, they already. Them all down. 
Oh, Canada, okay. At least. Oh, yeah. Bring back Zellers. Yeah, bring back the Zellers. I was bring back Zellers restaurant. I was thinking about that. Bring back the stores where they have like the the stupid things, for, like the the horses that the kids ride outside for like a dollar. <laughs> yeah. They just bounce up and down. Yeah. Those are fun. Kids, yeah. don't, kids don't experience that. Kids don't pay 25 cents for like a handful of like hard candied fruit, which like are mostly like stale. <laughs> oh, yeah. The fucking gum. The big ass gum. Okay. And then when you bite it, it just breaks all your fucking teeth. No, not the gum. Like, you know, like the candy fruits, you have like the banana. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And they're just like really either hard or chalky. <laughs> yeah. Like, the only one that somewhat tasted like what it was supposed to was like the banana. And then the rest were just like yeah. sugar. Yeah, well, I, I didn't even get... I didn't even get the luxury of that of getting that because when I was a kid, I said I wanted it. My parents were like, "No." Damn. So I, I think they, maybe they they knew better. <laughs> they knew, but yeah, no. Um, I mean, what else to say about Halloween? It's the most like influential slasher film of all time. Yeah, I mean, if we uh, we're talking about how something like. Black Christmas was sort of like the framework for slasher films. This was like definitely the like the start, like the basis of like future slasher films. This was like the foundation. Yeah. Like if you imagine like a building like Black Christmas is like they're digging the hole out for the foundation. And yeah. then the foundation itself is Halloween uh -huh. of the building. And it built literally everything. Without Halloween, you're not getting fucking... Friday the 13th. That series wouldn't exist. Uh, fucking um, Nightmare on Elm Street. Another movie that we talked about like really heavily, actually. Um, wouldn't exist. Or it could have existed, but it definitely... The, the demand for it wouldn't be as high. Yeah, that's probably true. I mean... It would have been something that's untested or not popular. Yeah, and it just like spring this whole like like slasher films on everything. Like not even like like out of the like the popular horror characters. There'd just be like a shit ton of slasher films coming out. Yeah, exactly. You know, we had like My Bloody Valentine. Uh, prom night, ironically, bringing that up because considering Jamie Lee Curtis is in that one as well. Yeah, exactly. Those all those types of films. Like it just all came out like like a floodgate just literally came out like the fucking shining elevator with blood. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not only did it like the spawn the popularity of these kinds of films, it also spawned a lot of the cliches you see nowadays in, yeah. in slasher films you know the ominous guy who just kind of slowly walks everywhere mm -hmm. the, the killer is like unkillable yeah the killing of like teenagers having sex yeah and just all those things came from this movie essentially it, it, in itself it par it created the parody of what horror movie tropes were to become and it's funny because, like, they themselves, like, created more of that, like, 
at like tropes. You think that like the beginning, the, the originator of the slasher genre craze would not fall back into those tropes, but in hell, they, they even got worse with their films than other films. Unfortunately, that anything that tends to be a thing in these art is you eventually become like a, a copy of yourself. Yeah. Like, uh, just as like oh, a new side example, when I was listening to a band called Tool, if anyone's heard of Tool, they released an album after like 12 years of not releasing an album or something, or like 20 years. One of the complaints of the album was it sounds too much like Tool. <laughs> and I'm like, that makes weirdly, as a criticism, that weirdly makes sense. It's like this, it sounds like they're just trying to like imitate themselves. It's like, and that's sort of how I guess it became, right? Or it's yeah. just, it feels like they're trying to recapture something by just doing the same thing, but like ends up exaggerating the thing and not understanding why the first thing was popular. Mm hmm. So it's just like, it doesn't work out that way. You can't just like rehash some concepts and be like, yeah, this is the same movie. It's like, no, it's not. It's kind of, it's kind of even funny because like later down the road, like, uh, well, obviously like the slasher craze was happening and then it died down because like, I think like audience started realizing that these movies are like majority trash. And there are movies like fucking Leprechaun coming out. God. <laughs> like, that, that's how crazy it got. I mean, you can even see that Child's Play was, like, really jumping jumping over the shark, that term. The, ging just, the gingerbread man. Yeah, or just... or Starring uh, that one crazy guy, Gary Busey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just terrible films, but... Um, it is until like Scream kind of revitalized the genre again. We started bringing in like the meta horror. Yeah, and then like as I mentioned, Halloween H two O came out, and then they started copying what Scream was doing with like the meta humor jokes. And it's just it's weird when you see that happening. Yeah, I mean, if I had to compare it to anything that's current, is it's like superhero movies nowadays where it just kind of like became so formulaic that you're just getting tired of it yeah it's like i've it's like i've seen this movie already instead of like captain america it's now it's like winter soldier yeah and it's like i've seen this movie already i mean like i think right now in, in 2023 we're like in that superhero fatigue i think it's actually like a real thing now <laughs> It's yeah, it's definitely dying down the the craze for superhero movies. Yeah, like I like not to get insanely off topic, but I hear like the Marvels that movie, like apparently the embargo is not being lifted till the day before the movie comes out. Uh so for the audience, uh embargo basically means like uh all these press junkets, all these uh people who watch these movies they can't write they can't do a review on it publicly they can't post it anywhere until the embargo is lifted yeah I so then you see all the crit the reviews for it and so usually when movies have these press screenings or 
any screening whatsoever, they usually let the embargo lift for like a week or two. Yeah, just, just to generate it. hype. Yeah, exactly. So when a film is basically saying that an embargo is being lifted the day before, that means like if you are the studio, that means they do not give a fuck about your movie. They already know it's hot trash or like it's going to create like a lot of like bad buzz. So it's best to leave it the day before. Just so like the press is not so hard on it. Yeah, just to get a like maybe like some more people in the theater who like would judge it based on reviews, right? Yeah. But then they're like, oh, I'm just gonna go see it anyway before the reviews come out. Yeah, right? exactly. So it's 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 a bad sign. <laughs> so like if if there isn't like a, a superhero fatigue, it's definitely showing now, which yeah. is ironic because like like you got shows like The Boys or like Gen V are doing insanely well on tv and that's a superhero thing yeah but that's because it's like different than the marvel formula so yeah you got the gritty superheroes or the anti-heroes yeah well i mean yeah uh you can even say like invincibles kind of like that too it's the gritty yeah the anti-hero the asshole heroes i don't know what you want to call them <laughs> anyway we're getting off topic a little bit but it's fine um i mean you watched this for the second time uh how do you feel about well, i mean i can tell you the first time i watched it i was sort of like in my mind i was like jimmy hyped this film up so much this better be the best film i've ever seen in my entire life <laughs> And I'm watching, like, this film's not that good. <laughs> but then I got, like, halfway through the film, and I was like, you know what? This is actually pretty good. Like, it's actually very well done. Yeah. I mean, one of the issues I had at the beginning was just, like, the characters were kind of bland. But then yeah. it's like we thought about them, like, they're just normal people. Like... That's the point. They're not like exaggerated personalities. They're just average everyday people with average dialogue, which is fine. Yeah. They're not like like some stereotype like they have in you think in the slasher films they're not like jocks or cheerleaders or frat boys like saying stupid shit all the time or like one guy's like a clown, right? Yeah. They're just like day-to-day people. Like yeah, some of the stuff they say is stupid, but it doesn't sound like over the top or like something unnatural yeah i can agree with you on that um i do think obviously um going down the film repertoires of characters that get killed there like there's a lot of shitty characters uh i would not say that about this film i do think that there's like probably like one shitty character in this film who right, we'll talk about that fucking guy <laughs> but oh, yeah. like the thing about it is that it's not overdoing it yeah they're not overselling the fact that this guy might be a potential scumbag yeah it, it, it's not like later in uh, or in any other slasher films like when you think about that generic asshole character like no he really is an asshole character you know he's doing everything to show you that he's an asshole. 
Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. Nowadays, it's just like there's always the one guy everyone like fucking hates in the movie. <laughs> yeah, he's just a dick for no reason. Yeah, exactly. He's, it's like uh, what was the one movie we watched? Train to Busan. Like the one guy who like literally throws people. Yeah, into the zombies for no reason. Yeah, when exactly. He could just not, and then you're like, why? Why is this guy such a scumbag? Like it makes no sense. Yeah, like, it's just over the top. Like how much of a scum he is. Exactly. So for the most time, you're you're following uh, these characters. They are just regular high school girls, just you know, living life like. I don't know how the I guess how the seventies think <laughs> high school girls are yeah, living. They're just talking about like boys mostly. Yeah, sex. <laughs> yeah, just pretty much that. That's pretty much what they're talking about the whole film. Yeah, you know, social life, just general stuff you talk about when you're a teenager, like you know, school, who you hang out with, sex. Yeah, just going out on dances with Ben Tramer. Ben Tremor. Yeah. Ben Tremor. Fucking love that guy. I I I, I actually advised him to watch Halloween too at one point. So because uh, uh, when I say Ben Tremor, you're gonna realize how funny a scene is in the next movie. Okay. That it's like it's almost it's so over the top. It's it's just the funniest shit ever. Yeah, exactly. I mean uh what else do I like about this movie? I mean yeah, I was also, like, actually scared by it after the fact. I always like movies that scare you after the fact rather than, like, during the movie necessarily. Yeah. Like, I think I've probably mentioned this a lot of times. I always find, like, films that rely on, like, jump scares or stuff like that or, like, gross-out scares to, like, kind of cheap. I like it when you, like, watch a film and you're, like, not necessarily like super scared watching it, you know, like, oh my God. Right. But then after the fact, you like go like check your closet before you go to bed sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you go home and you're like, your curtain to your shower's closed and you got to be like, <laughs> yeah, who's in there? Yeah. That, that's the kind of movie this is. I find that's what I really liked about the film. And I thought was the most effective thing about the horror in the film. And in comparison to the last film this was based on black christmas it was a lot the pacing was a lot better mm. uh definitely watching that film and then watching this film again made me appreciate it even more how much better the pacing was and how you know first of all the soundtrack in the film is uh obviously iconic i mean i've yeah. never seen this movie in my life and i already knew the song yeah somehow because i've probably heard it it's been referenced somewhere yeah like everybody knows the the Halloween theme song. If you don't, then I I I just imagine you just don't watch horror films. Yeah, exactly. That's which is fine, by the way. But yeah, and this, and then the use of like the fact that how like present Michael Myers is throughout the film just like adds to the tension a lot. Which I'm just like, like, what is this guy gonna do? Anything like? Yeah. Like, is the man plan just to stand ominously, like, in the distance? <laughs> Me menacingly. Standing there. Menacingly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, pretty much. Like, it's literally that meme. Exactly. That's yeah. his role throughout the whole, most of the film. Just standing menacingly. Yeah. Nah, Michael Myers is such a troll, man. Like, 
<laughs> the shit this guy does is just the funniest thing. Man, just standing there, like, in the fucking broad daylight, just staring. And then, which, when somebody's just walking, he just, like, casually just sidesteps out of the frame. Just disappears. Yeah. Man is the king of, like, disappearing and reappearing. I mean, I think that's another cliche that spawned in horror movies. Like, the killer can seemingly, like, teleport for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, they'll just be, like, walking at, like, the most casual pace. But as soon as they come out of vision, they just, like, appear from around the corner. Yeah. It's literally like when we watched Fright Night when a guy literally started teleporting. <laughs> yeah. Except he's not a vampire. He's just supposedly a regular human. Like, yeah. Man, I just feel like when like once they they leave the frame, they just like run immediately. Like shit, 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 shit. Yeah, that's why he's breathing so heavily throughout the whole film. Man, just sprinting in between takes, like. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's so funny. Like Jesus Christ. Oh my God. That's why he's also never talking. He's just out of breath. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um. Fuck. Like I don't know. Like. Like you already know I'm already like fanboying about this, but like if you want me like a real detailed reason why I like Halloween, especially specifically this one, um, like I love the presence that Michael uh, that John Carpenter basically creates around Michael Myers. Like it's not that he's just a he is a person, but it's not it's like a driving force behind him. Yeah, like the the mystique that they build around this character with uh uh Donald Pleasant's lines like his dialogue describing who Michael Myers is, it's just like legendary. It's like it's like again a trope that you see in action films that we talked about when they like for some reason they're giving like the exposition story. Of like what the character's background is. Yeah. He's an ex-marine that did this and this and that, you know? It's basically like the horror sense of who this character is. And there's not much given other than like he's literally like paled, never said a word, and he's got demonized. This isn't a man. He's just a driving force of nature. And Yes, Michael Myers is an actual name, but even in this film, like in the credits, they even kept this mystique calling him the shape. The shape, yeah. You know how uh one kid in the in this film particularly just calls him the boogeyman. Yeah, I mean I was reading someone said that apparently during like the Salem Witch Tribals Tribals trials, this something called shapes or the shapes were referred to as like spirits which like killed people that yeah like possessed people so that could be a reference to that i was also it, thinking it maybe be. it's just like he's like the shape of a human being in reality he's not he just looks like one yeah that could be another thing he's there's, basically there's just, so much interpretation so you can go for like why exactly like who Michael is, like, or his reasonings to kill, you know. You find out later, like, in, in later films when they try to give him a backstory about what he does, like, why he does what he does. And it's like, nah, 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 nah. Michael doesn't need that. <laughs> I was reading they did sort of do that with this film when they made it for television. They had, like, John Carpenter added some scenes. Yeah. 
where it's like he was in the insane asylum and they sort of gave like more, slight more context on to why he was targeting um these girls yeah uh, he said he didn't really like that so after that he like cut it all out again so you yeah. don't really see that version very much no most of the theatrical version which is the preferred one and then uh, they also apparently made a book prior to this where they went into more backstory but it's also apparently a very rare book so oh really fuck i would love to read that yeah Curtis Curtis or Curtis Richards or Richards Curtis or something like that. Mm. Yeah, look it up. I don't know if you can find it. I was I went on Amazon to see and it was $340. So Holy I was like, shit. okay, maybe I'll just never read that book. <laughs> Unless someone just posted on the internet. I'm not gonna <laughs> be buying that anytime soon. Yeah, pirate it. Pirate it, yeah. Yeah. But uh I I think it works like like I said, it was sort of, this was essentially made as a sequel to Black Christmas originally, right? Yeah. Like, that was John Carpenter wrote the director of that movie, Bob Clark, and said, asked if he could make a sequel. And he said, yeah. And then it became like a bigger project than he thought. So it became Halloween. Yeah. What, what it was Halloween eventually. And there's the similarities of the character, the main villain or killer is never explained. Like I said in the last review, he's a little more explained in this. Like he has at least an origin. Like you know yeah. where he comes from. Exactly. And But like besides that, you don't know anything about his character or his thought process or yeah. why he does anything. Yeah. And that's perfectly fine. He doesn't need to have... Like keep saying to people, you don't... <laughs> you don't need to make a villain relatable or sympathetic. Not every villain needs to be a Vegeta. You can be a Cell. <laughs> yeah. You can just be an asshole. Like you, you don't yeah. have to be redeemable in any sort of way. Yeah, you that's can, true. You can just like, and that's fine. Like it works well in this. So, that's, I did like that about it. I mean, especially one scene later, it made me really think that like Michael Myers is less of like a person and more like either like. Or incarnation of something or he's like i guess possessed by something which i think maybe is in a later film but yeah you but can you get say. the sense that he's like not acting like on any sort of like regular human logic like yeah. it's not some level you can understand it's yeah. just like he just is who he what he is exactly he's just the driving force of uh evil that's exactly how this movie makes this character to be that you know and i i like that man like a lot of a lot of these slasher movies man like they i just think they just forget it and how they even forget themselves later down the road and i just i just feel like guys it's fine to have a character that has literally no motive just to be like literally an apex predator yeah, I think we were talking about this in the backs, the behind the scenes where the the actor who played Michael Myers was asking the director for like, oh, what's my motivation in this scene, right? Mm -hmm. And John Carpenter is basically like, yeah, your motivation is to like walk from point A to point B. Yeah. So it's like pretty much what you think of Michael Myers. Like he's just doing things because of some reason. Like he's just trying to accomplish a goal exactly whatever the goal is which in, in this case is like killing people for some yeah. reason 
I also kind of like it how, like, the title of the movie is literally just Halloween. Like, it, I think I, I read, like, a behind-the-scenes documentary that, like, they were kind of surprised that they can't even get that as a name. <laughs> like, no, nobody no, has no. done it yet, <laughs> type of thing. I mean, everyone did Christmas. No one did Halloween. Yeah. So. Which is kind of crazy if you just think about it. Like, how, how they can get away... And it's so iconic. Like it's like like how else would you would you even call it? I mean, like, but you can even say Friday the Thirteenth is more iconic in in its name. Yeah, that's true. Maybe. But yeah, no, like it's it's. I mean, it's I, so plain. It's it's perfect almost. I mean, I was thinking about this. I would argue Friday Thirteenth is probably the most recognizable of the slasher films, just yeah. because of the mask. Like, honestly, like, Jason Voorhees is probably the most iconic of the slashers just because he's so recognizable and so parodied over the years. Yeah. Like, like I don't know. I think I, I'm pretty sure I heard about that before I heard about Michael Myers in my history, but it's like, obviously, Jason's based on Michael Myers, so. Yeah. But then it's like, but, uh. What was I saying? I don't freaking know where I was going with this train of thought now. I'm tired. Yeah, uh, I guess like a, a little more um, backstory when it comes to like, like fucking uh, like the behind the scenes of it. Like, yeah, this movie was shot, sold dirt poor. Uh, they, I, I remember reading. Um, a behind the scenes documentary that the producer uh, i'm gonna totally butcher his name on it uh he was basically the financer oh yeah mustafa mustafa yes uh actually uh, mufasa sorry <laughs> mustafa actually kind of sad mustafa that or mufasa mustafa oh, okay yes a uh, mustafa akad basically uh he was really worried about the like the budget He's like, nah, I'm gonna do it for this type of thing, and like how like the other producers just like basically said like, hey, you don't think three hundred thousand dollars is that much? Don't worry about it, you know. And then he got like knowing that he's really prideful with like of getting shit done, and like basically tricked him, be like, no, 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 you know what? Then three hundred thousand is fine. Then go ahead, I can do that for you. Everything just tricked him into like just giving him the money. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah, and then the movie was so successful he ended up just financing most of the sequels. Yes, he was involved in almost every movie uh until he uh actually passed away. He passed away in a really fucked up way too. Basically it was a, he was involved in a terrorist bombing. Oh jeez. Yeah. And uh, his son took over for uh, being like executive producers on on all the Halloween movies, including to this day. If Halloween ends, would be the last one that they made. So yeah, no, um, definitely, it's like it's one of those franchises that really didn't die. But enough about rambling. Let's break it down as best as we can. Yeah, I mean, this film doesn't have a particularly, like, complicated plot. Yeah. <laughs> very, it's mostly just a very atmospheric film. Like I said, most of it's just, like, 
day-to-day life. So we get introduced in the beginning in a opening sequence where you see a shot of a house and we get the same sort of POV thing we had in Black Christmas where you see the camera move towards the thing and you see someone looking into the house and there's some teenagers, you know, flirting or something. Yeah. And they just move, the guy moves around to the back of the house, reaches into the kitchen, takes a knife. So the teenagers were upstairs having sex for the span of a total of like 30 seconds, apparently. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Because I said it was a minute, but like they had to get up there and he had to take his clothes off. So I'm saying that's probably like a good 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. And he had to put his clothes back on. So <laughs> yeah. in that span of time that the man watched them go upstairs in the window, walked to the back, got the kitchen knife and came to the front. The guy was already done and was walking down the stairs. <laughs> So I don't know. This I don't know, man. It took like one, two sh- strokes. This man's like <laughs> called a, it a day. This man's like a lion. He just like does like two pumps and he's done. <laughs> he does that like thirty times a day or something. <laughs> man, just one stroke. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, called it a day after. I'm tired. He's got places to be. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I'm done. I'm done here. He's got to ride his bike back home. Damn it. <laughs> So I guess he's cool, so I guess he wouldn't bike home. Probably has a car, yeah. Yeah. So, uh... (laughs) Go down to the end of the street with his car. (laughs) That's how cool he is. Oh, yeah, just a side trivia about uh, after this movie came out, the famous film critics uh, Siskel and Ebert were talking about how they thought this was one of the scariest movies of all time. Mm -hmm. Apparently... Uh, Cisco, he t- took a cab home from the movie theater and he was only two blocks away, <laughs> or 10 minutes away. <laughs> and then, uh, Roger Ebert said he like was checking, like when he went home, he checked like his behind his shower curtain to make sure no one was there. <laughs> so, yeah. Fucking love it. Yeah. Uh, like I said, it's that kind of movie. Yeah. Um, I guess the behind the scenes also on this is that this shot is like insanely, like it was like the hardest shot that they had to get. Yeah, I believe they said they did three cuts total, as I was reading. Yeah. So, uh, they actually did it really creatively. The reason why they had to cut is because, like, this film, like, there was no digital at this time. It was all film. And then the film just ran out. Like, they couldn't finish the scene, like, properly. So, they had to do, like, cuts in between. And then the way they did it was pretty nice because there was one scene where uh, the person uh, carrying the knife uh, basically puts on a mask. And then that's a cut right there. Like, they do it so, like, like seemingly that you wouldn't notice it was a cut. Yeah, it wasn't, like, that jarring because he's putting on a mask, so you expect it to be, like... Yeah, it's just a natural cut. And then, like that camera that they used, like it basically like a steady cam, literally just came out too. Yeah. So it's like it's kind of cool to know that, like, I mean, you think about it now in twenty twenty three, a steady cam is like almost like essential for any fucking shot ever. I mean, as we were talking about this in the film, t- just take a compare this scene to the scene opening scene of Black Christmas and just see how much better it looks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how like less like shaky it is yeah less shaky it looks fucking beautiful because it was in panavision i'm already now about fucking uh, a little bit of equipment here but 
just to say, like, it's kind of cool to see, like, the way they shot this film, like, using the cameras that they, that they just got. Yeah, just the improvements in technology. Yeah, and also, like, setting up, like, they didn't want to set up dolly shots because, like, it's a short budget film and, like, they only have, like, a couple weeks to get this done. And, like, setting up dolly shots is just, like, it, it's way too long. Yeah, because you got to set up the whole, like, rig and all this and that. Like You got to lay down the tracks. And, I mean, they do do dolly shots in this film. But it's, like, imagine, like, the way that, like, this film would have been if they had to, like, make the whole contraption of tracks, like, leading outside the house. Like, that would just been a fucking nightmare. Yeah, on top of that, the house they filmed this in was, like, an abandoned house. And, uh, like, throughout the film, you see it during, like, abandoned most of the time, right? Yeah. But for this scene, they had to, like, actually, like, put furniture in the house and put wallpaper and all this stuff. Before. Yeah, to make it look lively. And this was a not a long scene either. So they did yeah. all that work for, like, essentially what was, like, a, like a, a scene which was only, like, several minutes. Yeah, like, uh, apparently it took them literally all the entire night just to get this fucking right. To get this done so yeah that's uh there's no way they're doing that and then setting up like a rig on top of that and it's like, yeah on a three hundred thousand dollar budget they have no time it's okay. it's so crazy because this is 1978 and 1977 just happened with star wars so you think about like that spectacle the goal to this there's a difference in difference in studios. Right? Yeah, I I know, but it's just it's crazy just to see like the the juxtaposition, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the scene. He person goes into the room, sees this woman. Yeah, this was another trope that they sort of started, where you see topless women, you know, in these films. Yeah. Getting killed. Yeah. And I will have to say this scene is uh this kill is kinda <laughs> It's bad. <laughs> First of all, I don't know, like the way they filmed it, like he's stabbing, it looks like he's weirdly like stabbing him from like the side. Yeah. And then the actress, like her acting is just like, oh no, oh, uh, oh. I'm like, bro, you're being stabbed. <laughs> yeah. I, like, it know, almost comes across as like moaning, like <laughs> Well, she was an adult actress. Oh, was she? Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yes, she was an adult actress, which might explain the acting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she was really saving that because uh, I guess the moisture really didn't satisfy her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Got freaking penetrated more by this guy than her boyfriend. <laughs> like, actually. <laughs> Yo, that's wild. That's that's fucking wild. Granted, that's the most wild statement I've ever heard you say. Okay, edit that I'm out. Dying. I'm sick. You're sick, bro. Quite literally. Edit that out, bro. <laughs> anyway. Nah, that's forever here now. Anyway, after after this killing happens, the person runs outside. And you see some people approach, and they're like, oh, Michael? And then it cuts away, and you see this, like, kid in a clown suit. Probably so shocking for, like, 1978. So you, so you already knew it was someone the girl knew, right? Yeah. 
But then you didn't realize at the point you don't realize it's a child who did it. Yeah. And then they're just kind of like standing there looking at him as they do like a menacingly again (laughs) crane shot away. And I guess it's sort of insight to who this character is. He's just sort of like has like no emotion, no reaction to anything. Yeah. Just kind of like there. And like, to be fair, based on how the mom was reacting, it sort of makes sense how maybe that's maybe that's the real horror here. <laughs> Bad parenting. Bad parenting. Maybe. I mean, okay, like they actually use that as an angle in like the Rob Zombie uh remake. But like it's it's so exaggerated because have you ever watch a Rob Zombie film? I have not. Okay, so literally, like, his dialogue is this. Fuck you, fucking this, piece of, sentence, 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 cunt. That's literally, like, almost every other fucking sentence that Rob Zombie uses. It's, like, the most trailer trash language you could ever think. Literally everything is a cuss word. It's, like, me on, like, crack. (laughs) Man never got out of the devil's rejects over here. Yeah, it's literally like you think about like like fucking Devil's Rejects lines on a on a Halloween movie. It it just doesn't it I could if that's his vision of like how he sees like how Michael would turn evil, then sure. Whatever. But that's his vision. But at like at least it keep it in a remake, you know? Like he's there killing rats and stuff, he kills animals for fun. Yeah, I mean, very like, that's stereotypical like, serial killer behavior. Exactly. It just they went for the stereotypical sociopath yeah, way of like uses a child. Yeah, kills animals in his spare time. Yeah, mom's a stripper. Yeah, um, Living a broken home. Broken home. Stepdad is a piece of shit. Uh, fucking sister Judith here is like a neighborhood whore or something like that. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's a mess. Yeah. Uh, anyway, after that, it cuts 15 years later to the current year of 1978. Mm-hmm. So, kind of crazy to say, but. <laughs> yeah, so after that, we get a scene. Is that where they said they're driving to the hospital? Yes, they're yeah, driving so, to Smith's Grove. Yeah, so psychiatrist Sam Loomis, who played by. The, mo- the biggest name in this movie. Donald Pleasance. Donald Pleasance, who you would know from James Bond. <laughs> yeah, basically he like... Blofeld. Yeah, basically if you see Austin Powers and you see Dr. Evil, that's basically based on Blofeld being played by Donald Pleasance. Oh, yeah, Blofeld is one of the biggest James Bond villains there was. So Probably is the biggest. <laughs> he, is, he is the biggest villain because he was in more than one movie. So. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, him and a nurse are driving to the insane asylum or the sanitarium, I should say. Yeah. It's, as oh, you sanitation. No, the sanitation asylum. <laughs> so they're just going and Sam Loomis, Dr. Loomis is just going on about like, oh, this, this, this person this thing is evil like he doesn't refer to him as like he he's like oh should we call he, at least it he is like it's not a man man is he's literally living in 2023 times he's in he's in real demon future times 
exactly. That's the only reason Michael didn't kill him. He's the only one who didn't misgender him. <laughs> yeah. He would prefer to be called it. <laughs> so yeah, as like getting there, they see like the the patients like just wandering around outside in the rain for some reason. <laughs> and then she's like, "Oh, do they usually let them outside?" I'm like, "Obviously not." <laughs> I know, right? Like. It's so stupid. Obviously bitch. not. Like <laughs> <laughs> what? What do you think that Smith's grilled? They're just like, okay, guys, recess. So, <laughs> All you guys out. So, doctor gets out of the car to call someone on like the security phone, I think. And then you see someone jump on the car. <laughs> well, first of all, this is the beginning of the bad decisions. The the nurse like rolls down the window to like yeah. confront them, and then like obviously she gets grabbed by this person. And then the guy like he, she backs up, and the guy like smashes the window with like his other hand. Yeah, apparently they uh, attached a wrench to his hand for that, and just painted it like flesh colored. Right. You can okay. kind of see. Yeah. It. So. So anyway, after that, like, it like he drags her. He, she like runs out of the car. And like the guy gets in and drives away. So this is probably the biggest like point of contention in the whole film is how does this man know how to drive a car? Yeah. He's been in jail since he was six. Or he's yeah. been in a psych ward since he was six. Yeah. It, it it's like that universal question that everybody's gonna ask. And I'm pretty sure the screenwriter, I, I'm pretty sure Deborah Hill and John Carpenter knew like how are we going to ever fucking explain this? Yeah. Because it just doesn't make sense. The thing is, they, they had to, like, we were talking about, like, we we're talking about, like, the typical scenario, like, oh, they're driving him along and while well, he's captured, and then, like, the, the car crashes or something, and he runs away, right? Yeah, we were just thinking about alternative, like, storylines. Like, like, if you're a screenwriter, how do you explain? Because I, I, I get what they're trying to do here. Obviously, they're trying to get uh michael myers to haddonfield like yeah. back to home like how is he gonna do that if the hospital is 150 kilometers or 150 miles away yeah which is kind of crazy because again when you're the script writer you're story writer you could easily change that around saying that like the hospital yeah, like is down the road <laughs> exactly you could say shit like that but for some reason they went with this route so they 100 percent knew that this was not gonna be a plot hole I think another part of it was a lot of the film you see him driving around town, right? So, like, even if he broke out, if they wanted to do the whole line of him driving around, he'd still have to drive a car at some point, right? Yeah. So they have to address it. They'd either have to address it or not at some point. Like, how? Do, first of all, like, how does this man know how to drive? Like, Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's kind so of they, funny. So they just get it out of the way to start. Be like, yeah, you stole a car and he's able to drive somehow. Like, exactly. It, it, it's it's one of those things like I, I don't know if they ever teach it as a script writing. I didn't go to any fucking script writing class. Something that I definitely wasn't ever interested in doing. But like just let it happen. <laughs> like like that's the best way you could ever just get around that plot hole. Just acknowledge that it is weird and it doesn't make sense and you just roll with it. And guess what? The audience is, has to roll with it anyways. They don't over-explain it. I mean, I was reading they had, like, some weird story in, like, a book about, like, how when 
um, the doctor was driving him to like his appointments. He was in the back, like observing him and he learned to drive by observing him like for all like 15 years or something. And I then, mean, yeah, sure. Or, but then like, and then also apparently in one of the Halloweens, they sort of like retcon the explanation on how he knew how to drive. Yeah. Basically in the six, because we're never going to talk about that fucking movie with fucking Paul Rudd. Uh, that, uh, basically he is, uh, possessed by the, uh, thorn symbol, which is like basically, uh, evil satanic cult. And that one of the doctors and Smith scrolls was like, basically like, what's the word I'm looking for when you're like help fostering a child or like you're planning motives onto a child. You're planting motives onto a child? You're grooming them? Grooming them. Yeah, basically this doctor was grooming uh, Michael Myers into becoming, like, a servant of the devil, basically. And I guess he taught him how to drive a car. Truly <laughs> truly the work of the devil. Which is kind of ironic, because that same character that you see Loomis talking with about driving a car, that's supposed to be the satanic cult character. That's the guy. <laughs> That's like some Fast and the Furious level retcon. Yeah, it really is. You'd be like, yeah, this guy who was in the scene for like two seconds, he's actually a satanic cult leader. Yeah. Ruined Michael Myers from a child. Exactly. And he's the one who brings it up, like, like how to, he can't even drive a car. Yeah. yeah. That, that, was the, that was the gaslighting. <laughs> yeah, gaslit him so hard. Pretend he doesn't understand how he can drive a car. <laughs> I don't know. Genius. <laughs> anyway he drives away in the car and like it goes cuts back to Haddonfield which is uh, the home the home base he's from yeah so Haddonfield doesn't actually exist in Illinois <laughs> yeah it's in Illinois and the movie was also filmed in California so yeah it's like, wrap your head around that one so Haddonfield is basically like uh, it's from where Deborah Hill's from, from it, but that's in New Jersey but they, I guess they wanted to make it, like, very, like, suburban. So they chose Illinois for some reason. I don't know. It doesn't really matter so much. It's just a small suburban town. Yeah. Essentially. So we get introduced to Jamie Lee Curtis' character, Lori, who's uh, depicted as just being, a, like, a nice girl, you know, not very social, doesn't really go anywhere. She's sort of like the typical, like, I don't know, girl next door sort of thing. Maybe not girl next door. Typical, like, you know, straight edge. Yeah. <laughs> they call her Girl Scout throughout the film. Which is kind of weird because she's like, doesn't she smoke? Yeah, she saw her smoking like weed, but apparently that's just straight edge back in the 70s. <laughs> yeah. Smoking. If you're not doing like. If you're not like smoking, like snorting coke, you're straight edge. Like, <laughs> or you know, you're not banging dudes. You're not banging dudes like every day. Yeah. Then you're straight edge. Now, banging dudes is like average. That's just normal. <laughs> That's not even like being like crazy. That's just like yeah, it's just what you do. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we get introduced to Lori and a couple of her friends, uh, Linda, who. Who's uh looks very young for age. The yeah, fun fact, Jamie Lee Curtis is actually the youngest person yeah. out of the 
group of friends she's actually 19 during the time of filming everyone else was over 20. yeah it's kind of crazy because i i do think that like jamie lee curtis like looked the oldest there i don't know maybe it's just the way that like her wardrobe was like very just like well-mannered yeah that jc penny <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so linda's like i don't know the tip of she's supposed to i guess be more of like the the ditzy airhead character she's a cheerleader ish character yeah and then uh her other friend annie who's like the smart alecky sassy one yeah she's like the very outgoing confident one it's always teasing laurie about like oh why don't you never go out you don't i guess you'll just be home your whole life haha <laughs> you know yeah i'm like i'm just wondering like yeah sure like linda is not like she's okay I can see why she would be friends with uh, Lori, but like, god damn, Annie's a little bitch, man. <laughs> I'll get so tired of Annie's shit, man. Who knows? There's maybe not a lot of people in this town. <laughs> so, while this is happening, we get to, before this, we get to see some scenes of like Michael just kind of driving around town, just doing his thing, being creepy. <laughs> he like, at one point, uh, one of the characters is i don't know is this tommy tommy is he related? tommy doyle tommy doyle it's not related to laurie at all it's just a kid she babysits yeah who's just like first of all he's getting bullied by like some random like 12 year old bullies in lonnie and they have like the the squishiest pumpkin in the world which apparently <laughs> they actually needed because they only were able to acquire three pumpkins because they filmed this in spring <laughs> so they had to do that in one take otherwise there's no more pumpkins yeah where the fuck are you gonna find pumpkins in california in springtime yeah literally nowhere so that's uh yeah and as after he gets bullied michael Myers just comes up and like grabs one of the kids and just like fucking hero <laughs> yeah they have that constant like the the synth jump scare sound and yeah and then it cuts into the doon, 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 like the ominous music. Yeah. I don't know. That's what kind of what I like is he's just kind of like going around trolling people. <laughs> just like he gets, follows the kid briefly and then just drives away for some reason. He follows uh, Lori. Yeah. Like he's driving by them with their friends. Well, you know, even before that, the, the classroom. Oh, yeah. Because he's like, yeah, that's another thing that gets referenced a lot now in the horror movies person staring at the classroom and then there's like a creepy person standing across the road right yeah so basically like uh i think we talked about this in it follows i'm not sure if i brought it up that happens in it follows that sort of happened in uh talk to me as well or it's like you have the woman like shouting like get him out or get his spirit or not that was uh, that's hereditary hereditary yeah i was like get his spirit out you know yeah yeah that yeah. sort of thing where like person they're at school and person standing like across from the school looking at them being creepy or doing something weird we do that in uh nightmare on elm street as well in some weird way it's kind of like it works like that yeah i can't i'm not 100 percent sure if this is like the originator of this but it definitely you could it definitely helped popularize it so yeah but yeah, you see that, and then they're walking home, and like they think it's some other guy, Dev Devin or something. Mm -hmm. 
And they're like, oh, this guy's so cute. And then you see Michael Myers come by with his mask. Devon Graham, actually. But Devon Graham. You see Michael Myers come by in his mask, just looking at him like, yeah, that guy's real hot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jesus. It's so funny because he's like driving like a station wagon. And it's like, bro, like, I don't know. I don't think like for the 70s, a guy who drives a station wagon is considered cool. Oh, man, just driving a car is cool. <laughs> I, I guess so. Just driving a car is just enough. Just having a car. Yeah, even though it's like a fucking station wagon that clearly has like, it's like, it's like a cop car because it has like the fucking barry, like the barrier. Mesh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then Annie just yells out something stupid. It'd be like, hey. Speed sp kills. Speed kills. I'm like, this man's going like, like 20 kilometers an hour down the road. <laughs> And then, like, Michael just, like, briefly stops to be, like, thinking, I don't know if he should address it or not. Mm -hmm. And then he just, like, drives away. And so after uh, they keep walking and Linda leaves them, you see Michael just, like, pop out from behind the bush. Yeah. And he's like, hey, that's the guy. You go there. And he just, like, just goes behind the bush quickly, probably sprints away down the house because I don't know where else he went. Yeah. And then... Fucking Annie goes to confront him for some reason. And then she's just like, hey, he wants to talk to you. And it's like, ah, you scared another one away. I'm like, what is wrong with this girl? I'm like, why are they friends? No, honestly. So yeah, today, as it goes on, Lori gets home and she's going upstairs and she has all her windows open, which I'm just like, that sounds like a terrible idea. Given the context, I know this is a horror movie. <laughs> Leaving all your windows open. Yeah. You see Michael just standing outside, like, in the folding sheets, in the clotheslines. Mm -hmm. You said this might be, like, her just stressing out about it. Mm -hmm. I have no clue, because, like, she's standing there looking at him the whole time, and, like, she blinks, and he's fucking disappeared. So, maybe he crouched down, as shown in another later scene, where he's just, like, crouched behind a car. Like, mm -hmm. he just, like, <laughs> jumped backwards into the bushes. And when she blinks, like, whoa. <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of like, he's just going around, like, being creepy the whole time. Mm -hmm. So after this happens, Dr. Uh... <clears throat> oh, yeah. I do want to talk about the one scene where uh, this might be a reference to Black Christmas where they have the obscene phone call where <laughs> Lori picks up a phone and she all hears is, like, someone chewing, like... And he's like, oh, and she hangs up and he picks up again. And he's like, oh, it's like, was that you? It's like, yeah. I'm like, who does that? You yeah. like to pick up the phone and just like with your mouth full and just be like. Like, yeah. Like, what the fuck do you think she's going to like, like react to? You you made the call. Yeah. It's not like she called you and you were, you <laughs> yeah. were in the middle of like eating dinner. <laughs> yeah. You called her and then chose to put food in your mouth. Like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. I, have, I think yeah. later they say that, like, what was wrong with her? I'm like, yeah, what is wrong with her? <laughs> yeah. Who does that? No, seriously. And he's the real psycho in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Like actually. Yeah. So yeah, while this is happening, Dr. Loomis comes by and he goes to, uh, well, he, earlier he made a call on a payphone and just basically warning the town, the, the town police being like, Hey, this crazy man's coming to your town. You got to prepare. And that's where he discovers like the conveniently discovers the, the, the truck that the Michael stole his coveralls from like the, like it was a, a guy who works in a garage. Mm -hmm. 
So I'm like, that's rather convenient. He stopped at this exact payphone, and that's the same place that Michael killed a guy. Yeah. No, I, it makes no sense. Like, like there's so many, like, it, it's a 150 miles. There's any other place you could stop in, like, what, is that the only fucking payphone in, like... It's also it's, a payphone on, like, the side of the highway. It's not even, like, at a gas station or something. It's just randomly in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Like, as far as I can tell. Yeah, it makes no sense. Yeah, I was just like, okay, sure. Yeah, so anyway, Loomis gets to town. He goes to the graveyard to look for uh, Judith Myers, who is Michael's sister. They killed in the beginning's tomb, or tomb, her grave. And they get there, and they're like, oh, what happened here? And they find, like, the headstones missing. And they're like, oh, that's her. That's uh, Judith Myers. And he's like, he's back. So... All, so later on, we see Loomis once again talking, re- talking to the sheriff. We get some more scenes of Michael being creepy. Like, I think you mentioned the one scene where like he's driving behind them and they're like smoking weed in the car. Yeah. And then he just like waits like at the the stop, and then like the doctor comes out to talk to the sheriff, and like you just see his car like drive in the back behind them. Yeah, it's so dumb. It looks so dumb, but I, I, I love it. I, I kind of like it, actually, because it's like they don't draw too much attention to it. Mm-hmm. Like, you're just kind of in the background. You know he's there, but like they're not like they don't like have like a close up of Michael's face being like, I see the guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fair see, enough. I see the doctor, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of like it happens. So, yeah, they go back to the Myers old house and they with so the doctor and the sheriff and they find like a dead dog in it apparently and the sheriff's like oh it could have been a skunk i'm like the skunk killed the dog like, that's a, i don't know what skunks around this town jesus christ <laughs> or like yeah like didn't they show the dog like being kind of like eating or some shit like that or not eating but like bloody oh no no they didn't show anything okay 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 there, i'm just there, there's like very little blood in this film so yeah, that's true. But yeah, yeah. Doctor Loomis is going on his rants about like this and that. It'd be like, I watched this man for fifteen years and he didn't say anything. I knew there was evil, but you know, and this and like, mm-hmm. yeah, this fancy talk, as the sheriff calls it. Also, they have the fun, most random jump scare where like a thing falls off the roof and like shatters the window. At the exact time they go in the house that's been abandoned for like 15 years. Yeah. I'm like, it fell down right now. <laughs> yeah, out of all the times when they're up there conveniently. <laughs> I'm like, bro, like the house just decided to fall apart. Like that's what took it. The vibrations of them walking around to like set it off. Yeah. Just, just to jump scare you. <laughs> but yeah, we get like some more insight into Michael's character. And basically, as we were saying earlier, it's just like... He's just evil. He's not really... He has no known motivations. He just kind of, like, functions on some kind of level that we don't understand that just Mm -hmm. caused him to do terrible things or just kill people for for no reason. Even the... It's it's given more credibility by the fact the guy's a psychiatrist and he's like, yeah, I spent eight years trying to reach him. And it's like, well, shit, if you can't reach him then, like, what do you do? Yeah, and uh, the guy just goes on and, like, his crazy, like, it's a, it's perfect dialogue. It's perfect, like, like, I don't know, man. I can listen to Loomis talk about, like, fucking evil for, like, 
a day. Like, it just doesn't get boring. I mean, I think I was reading that most, like, the dialogue written by John Carpenter was mostly Sam Loomis's dialogue, and then the producer, Deborah Hill, wrote most of the other dialogue. Uh So that makes sense that, uh, yeah, they had one guy focus on, like, his di- dialogue specifically. So, mm-hmm. so af- yeah, after that, we get uh, insight, you know, Laurie's babysitting Tommy, and uh, Annie, unfortunately, is forced to babysit uh, this other girl, Lindsay. Lindsay Wallace. Lindsay Wallace, yes. And she's mad because she wanted to go and, like, hook up with her boyfriend or whoever. Yeah. So, uh, we get some more interesting scenes where Michael is just, like, standing outside outside their house. You know, Tommy briefly looks out and sees him, and he's like, oh, it's the boogeyman. And he's like, there's no boogeyman. And I'm like, wasn't there a guy just, like, earlier stalking you? Like, do you not? Yeah. Well, I was telling you that, like, I just think that generally she... Just didn't want to think about that night, like about like what happened earlier. That it's just like creepy guy. Yeah, it's just like she just faded it out of existence. Yeah, I mean to be fair, it's like who knows? <laughs> like maybe she's like, oh, it could have just been like a random incident. You know, it's not like he's not just constantly there. Yeah. But uh, I also thought maybe she just didn't want to like scare the kid for any reason. That too. So it's just like, yeah, no, there's nothing there. There's no boogeyman. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, he's just like, what do you look like? Later, he's like, yeah, what? It, it's the boogeyman. I was like, what do you look like? The boogeyman. I'm like, that's the most useless information I've ever heard. Don't be hating. On Tommy Doyle. <laughs> yeah, this is why you got bullied, Tommy. <laughs> yeah. But not being clear enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm not going to hold up in a court of law, Tommy. <laughs> You can't just say the boogeyman killed people and then the police are like, oh, who killed? What do you look like? Oh, he looked like the boogeyman. <laughs> okay, cool. Yo, be hard on a kid, man. Yeah, freaking Baba Yaga over here. Baba <laughs> Yaga. But uh, anyway, so we got some scenes of like Annie and like, uh, I don't, was Scream? This, this whole popcorn thing, was that a reference in Scream? No, right? Or is it just a coincidence? Uh, like the guy looking through the window, calling her. Um, no, because she was just making like the stovetop popcorn. Was she making stovetop popcorn? Yeah, she's making stovetop popcorn. Maybe it could like, be. It could be like a it homage. Could be like an homage, because yeah. like, the scene's not like obviously exactly the same because Michael Myers never calls anybody <laughs> or anything like that. Yeah, or says any words, but it's probably an homage of just like him looking through the window. Being, yeah, being creepy and randomly destroying their pottery for some reason, <laughs> and yeah. killing their dog. Yeah, that's how you know he's truly evil. Yeah, Kill- killing the fucking dog. He's Always like- the dogs. He also kills in like a really brutal way. He just like snaps its back. Yeah, he just like picks the dog up and just like <laughs> like bear hugs it to death. We're actually, one dog. I was actually wondering how they did this scene because it's like you just see the dog's limbs slowly go limp. I'm like, did what did they do to the dog? Like in, in the mm, film? No, hold not. Not actually. Is the dog really. trained just to do that? Like, yeah, hopefully. But yeah, obviously they didn't just murder a dog for a <laughs> film. How yeah, dare they? They, they did. The film's so low budget, they couldn't <laughs> afford to train the dog. They just had to kill it instead. Uh, 
Jesus. Christ. Yeah, that'll be fucked. <laughs> but uh, yeah, as Annie's like babysitting, she uh spills some stuff on her shirt, so she has to go out to the shed where the, where their laundry machines are for yeah. some reason. I was confused about that. So while that's happening, Michael just like continues his trolling, just locks her in there for some reason. <laughs> yeah. So he can stare at her through the other window ominously. <laughs> and so she tries to she tries to get out like through the window and this is uh uh she got stuck in the window, if anyone uh can knows what that's a reference to. <laughs> she gets stuck in the window with no pants on. Yep. I'm like, interesting. Interesting. That spawned a certain other genre. <laughs> subgenre. Subgenre. <laughs> a very famous subgenre. But, Watch uh, around the world, apparently. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she didn't get stuck in the dryer. It was right there, too. <laughs> she got stuck in the window somehow. Uh, somehow. So. But uh, eventually, Lindsay comes out and lets her out. Yeah. And then basically expose her to her, her boyfriend, who then being like, yeah, yeah. He's like, all you think about is sex. And he's like, I think that's all you think about. And he's like, and he's like, and she's basically just like, yeah, well, let's stop thinking about these things and just do them. And like, so he's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he was 100% right. That is all you think about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, classic, my parents aren't home, I bet. <laughs> Bro, I'm surprised you put any salt on that popcorn. You're like thirsty enough. Uh, 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 dehydrated enough. Yeah, we never get to meet Paul. Yeah, you don't see Paul at all. You just hear his voice. Well, you know who we do meet. Oh, well, that right, happens right. after, right? Not there yet. Yeah, but eventually she's just like, hey, Lindsay, I got to go meet up with this dude. Why don't you go over across the street? And just, like, watch the movie there. Because all she's doing is sitting there watching, like, horror movies. She's watching The Thing, by the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you read it, if you listen to our John Carpenter, The Thing movie review, go check that one out. Plugging our yeah, show, uh, I see. Classic uh, Caches and Critics plug of the episode. Yeah. That's what we do. So up, up. They go across the street. Lori being, like, the homie, just like, yeah, sure, I'll watch her. Yeah, I guess. I'm not doing anything anyway. And then, oh, yeah, earlier, she basically, Annie was just like, yeah, I called that guy. You like Ben Ben Tramer? Yes. And told him that you, you, you really like him. And he's like, no, you can't do that. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's a little overstepping. Yeah, a little bit. But, I mean, I'm not that surprised because Annie's just been like a shitty fucking person the entire movie. <laughs> yeah i mean i guess she was thinking like oh she's not gonna it's not confident enough to go talk to him so i'm gonna do it for her yeah i don't know she's like the setting up blind dates or something not blind dates but setting up matchmaking people yeah anyway so and after that's revealed annie's just like yeah i'll be back in an hour so she goes out to the car this is this where the series of bad decisions by people or just sheer lack of observance by people happens where she goes out to the car is locked so she has to go back all the way into the house to get the keys come back out opens the door without thinking that why is it unlocked even though i just spent the past like two minutes walking back to the house to get the keys 
to open the door. Why is the door unlocked? She doesn't think about that before she gets in the car. Well, yeah, okay. Here's the thing. It could be possible that you could forget that. Yeah, she was too busy singing her song about Paul. Oh, yeah, about wanting to fuck Paul, basically. <laughs> she can no longer stall or something. Yeah. Also, there yeah, I, go. I was going to say the real confusion about this scene is how. Yeah, spoilers. Michael Myers is in the back and he fucking kills her. How did Michael Myers get in the car <laughs> without like breaking a window or anything? So I'm thinking that like he just broke the door lock. Yeah, I mean, like, it is shown he's like extremely strong for some reason. Yeah. In this film. So I just think he just broke the door and it's like. He just pulled it hard enough? Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, to be fair, we didn't see the other side of the car. Sure, but then that, that makes. Yeah, maybe that could be true. Uh, he may have not broken the door that she opened, but maybe broke another door. Because here's the thing if Michael broke, like, the door to the, like, the fucking driver's seat. That means this guy had to like awkwardly shimmy, shimmy to the back, <laughs> shimmy to the back, lay down. Also, he had to close the door too, but that, like, <laughs> if it was open, it wouldn't work, right? Yeah, exactly. Just lay down there and be like, haha, I got her this time. <laughs> yeah, it's a little confusing when you actually think about it too hard, like we're doing. That's the problem with analyzing movies is you tend to think about things a little <laughs> yeah. too hard. When you watch the film, you're just kind of like, oh. You accept it. It's kind of creepy. Yeah. Rather than thinking about like, how the hell did he get in there? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, she gets killed. <coughs> I don't know. Some of the way people act in the deaths in this film, they get... <coughs> I was saying Sorry. to Jimmy, that's probably one of the biggest the weakest points in the film for me is just the physicality of the deaths, which isn't even like a major thing. It's just noticeable. The acting is kind of bad. Yeah. The, the, the acting is bad when it like comes to deaths. It's like, they don't know how to die. And this one, she's just like, oh, and then like dies with her eyes, like wide open. Yeah. It looked like almost comical. I'm just like, what is going on? Yeah. At one point she finds the body and the woman's like cross-eyed for some reason. I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. What is that face? Like, yeah, it makes no sense. But, uh, yeah, so Annie gets killed, and then her good friends, uh, her good friend Linda with her boyfriend Bob shows up. Fucking Bob. Yeah, let's talk about Bob. So, uh, what, what about Bob? Yeah. Bill Murray over here, but, uh, they're, uh, first of all, they show up making out and just drinking in the and car. Driving, and driving, damn it. Drinking in the car. Breath so, like numero uno. So they're talking. They're just like basically flirting a lot. Yeah, and then Bob's, totally. Bob's like, oh, I'm going to rip your clothes off. And she's like, oh, don't rip my clothes off. This blouse is expensive. And he's like, yeah, we're going to go in there. I'm going to rip your clothes off. Then you're going to rip mine off. Then they're going to rip Lindsay's off. I'm like, huh? Oh, hey, yo, what? I was like, what? What? The girl was like eight. Right? And I'm like, what? I'm like, if that was a joke, that's the weirdest. It's the weirdest that's joke. That's the sussiest joke. Of okay, because I thought, I thought like it was just like a a joke or like the guy just like messed up the line, like it was supposed to be Annie. That would make sense, but then again, that would be kind of weird too because co here's the context. So 
Annie and Paul are supposed to meet up at the at the Wallaces. Yeah. And then her boy and then Bob and Linda are gonna be there too. They're gonna have a fucking orgy down there, if you really think about it. Yeah, exactly. And this is weird because they think that Lindsay is also there too. So you guys are gonna have an orgy and Lindsay would have been still in the house if it wasn't for Lori? What the fuck? Yeah, it's just like you're just thinking about this, you're like, what is going on? <laughs> Once again, this is why you don't think about things too hard because it just makes things so much worse than they need to be. Yeah, honestly. Like, I think when I first watched the movie, I didn't even think about what he said. And I'm just like, okay, whatever. They're going to go have sex now, right? But when I rewatching it and he said that, I'm like, huh? What? <laughs> Excuse me? So yeah, fucking Bob. Uh, <laughs> this is why I said Michael Myers is the real hero of the film. <laughs> Yeah, He's honestly. He's taking out these scumbags before they become worse. <laughs> yeah. Fucking with the Scooby-Doo van that he has, with his fucking glasses and his, like, weird ball head cut. This man's like, I don't... Future pedal, man. This man's like, we don't need another Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> <laughs> I better take him out. Well, I uh, I wouldn't even call him a, a Harvey Weinstein man. I would like he's at least he wasn't a pedal. Like oh, he was a pedal, but not no, he wasn't a pedal. No, I don't know. I was just using it in the most famous example. I yeah, pretty much. But generally, yeah. So they go in the house. Fucking <laughs> these people are just like terrible. They go in the house, which isn't even their house. It isn't oh. no one's. None of their houses. Yeah. None of them live at this house except Lindsay. <laughs> yeah. And then not to mention, they come in, they have sex in on, the fucking parents' on room. On the parents' bed, which also I found weird. They had a lit jack lantern right next to their bed. No, it's a little sus. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. But they have sex. First of all, there's like beer cans all over the floor. Yeah. So they like left all their garbage on the floor, had sex in their bed, and then they start smoking in the bed. Yeah. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like, who does that? Yeah, and then fucking, he says, go get beer. Now, again, we don't know if they were drinking beer. If they brought the beer and they put it in the fridge, but they're fucking teenagers. I don't, and they're already been drinking. I don't think they're already thinking about that. Well, immediately, well, as soon as they get in, you see them, like, they make the phone call to Lori, right? And then mm. they immediately just start, like, making out on the couch. So, like, in, I guess in that span of time, they went over to the fridge, put their beer in, and then did all that. Like I guess, or you could just say that maybe a there's just, Bob is just going to fucking the Wallace's house and then fucking drinking their shit. <laughs> and he's also stealing their beer. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, this, these people are just terrible. Like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he goes downstairs to get more beer. Also, he doesn't turn on any lights for some reason. Yeah. That seems to be a theme through the next, like, <laughs> 10 minutes of the film. People just not turning on lights in their own houses or in houses. So he hears a sound from the closet. And this is probably the most iconic kill from the film, from what I can tell. Well, yeah. it's It's been definitely, like, overdone. Like, so after... So yeah, like Michael pops out of the closet, just like fucking picks the guy up with one, chokes the guy up like with one hand, like literally the Undertaker over here, yeah, looking like he's choke slamming him, and then just like stabs through him with a kitchen knife and pins him to the door, which 
once again questionable how that physics is out works. But. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. There's no like there's no way a fucking chef's kitchen knife can support the weight of something of like, like a guy who's like 190 pounds most likely. Yeah, exactly. It's also not that like thick. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's not like it's not like a you as a machete or something. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of like impossible, but you know, I guess Michael Myers is so fucking strong that like it, the knife went through and in and out. Yeah, he impaled him. He like went, yeah, he sh- like shattered his ribs and like impaled him through the door as <laughs> yeah. well. So yeah, whatever. Anyway, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's also iconic just because <laughs> he like stops and like looks analyzes the body briefly like tilts his head yeah i, I actually like that because that's like a very iconic um michael myers thing he does the head tilt and uh, it's He's like sort of like questioning like his work <laughs> <laughs> yeah so exactly so it's kind of like um like I, I read somebody thinking about like it's literally like an artist admiring his work and i was just like damn i did that <laughs> shit they didn't know i could <laughs> Exactly, but uh, so after that, um, you see Linda still upstairs, and <laughs> the scene is weirdly funny, but also kind of creepy as well. At least I thought of it this way, like, because when it happens, I was kind of funny. Like, the door opens, mm-hmm. and Michael, I was just standing there in a ghost costume, and like the guy's glasses. I think he just grabbed like a fucking like bed sheet. sheet. Yeah, but I'm I'm assuming he was meant to be like a ghost costume. Yeah. And then he's just standing there going like just breathing heavily. And then the girl is trying to say <laughs> some like sexy stuff to him, like, Oh, you like what you see? Like shows her boobs, you know. Yeah. And then he's just standing there creepily. <laughs> Menacingly. I don't know. It's like it's kind of creepy because it goes on long enough that it just makes it like somewhat uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, it's like it starts off as a joke, but then the joke goes on too long, and you're like, okay, this isn't really a joke anymore. Yeah, exactly. That's sort of like, uh, this is completely out of context. It's sort of like when someone goes on like a rant that sounds like kind of sus, and then you're like, haha, it's funny, and then they just keep going. You're like, they're being serious, aren't they? <laughs> this isn't a joke. Yeah, exactly. Uncomfortable. Man's actually like crying out his like feelings. <laughs> this, is, this, this is just uncomfortable now. This is what that scene felt like. It just like it went on too long. Like, and that okay, I well, thought that was effective. So yeah. Remind myself not to not to go on with a joke too long with you. So it depends what you're joking about. <laughs> I'm joking about ripping people's clothes off, then I'll start questioning things. <laughs> But uh, I'm gonna ask you next time. Do you like what you see? <laughs> yeah. Of it, yeah. So the trip. Yeah. Short trivia about that scene I was reading was the actress who was uh, playing it. What's her name? PJ Souls. Souls or something. Yeah. Yeah. Was in a movie theater watching <laughs> the film, and then when that scene happened, we're just like, "Oh, I like what you see in a guy." And the scene was like, "Yeah, I do." And then she was dating Dennis Quaid of all people at the time. Yeah, I know, right? Dennis fucking Quaid. He's like, "Oh, do you want me to do something about it?" And he's like, "Nah." She was just amused. 
but I'm just like, it's just funny. <laughs> like, <laughs> imagine like if like, that was like an actual thing. Like, also, why would she be mad? Like, she was. She knew she was fucking naked on that scene, so she was in the movie. Like, she yeah. knew what was in the movie. Yeah, exactly. So, however, however anybody reacts to that scene is like, well, <laughs> it was gonna happen. <laughs> That'd be like the girl from Cool Hand Luke being mad that guys are ogling her. Like, yeah, like what? That was the point of the scene. Like, yeah, you're right. So, but yeah, she eventually goes to try and call Annie, uh, Lori, and Michael just comes up and like strangles her with this telephone cord. Right. And like, she's just like <laughs> making noises on the phone. And uh, also, Michael picks up the phone after he's done strangling her, just to, like breathe into it for some reason <laughs> yeah and he has to just like be his trolly self so Lori gets suspicious and just goes back to uh goes over to the house which he has a spare key for <laughs> i guess because she babysits there as well or something yeah so she goes over and once again doesn't turn on any damn lights in the house as she's walking around which is so bizarre man like why don't you just turn on your lights turn on, like turn on the lights light. yeah People are really trying to be energy conservative here. <laughs> yeah, it's the 70s, man. Yeah, Bob will drink and smoke in a person's, like, and have sex in a person's bed, but he won't waste their energy. <laughs> That's his one saving grace. That's his redemption. His redemption. He doesn't, he's not like the wet bandits over here. He doesn't just waste, <laughs> waste their utilities. But he'll do anything else. <sighs> You know, say uh, things about their eight-year-old daughter, but waste <laughs> electricity. That crosses the line. <laughs> I'm dying. But uh, she goes in, and then I think this was, uh, like we were saying, this was sort of a base-off Black Christmas. This is very similar to the climactic scene of Black Christmas, where she goes upstairs <laughs> and discovers the dead bodies. This was a bit more, like, uh, dramatic, because it's like you see Annie's body, and they have, like, the headstone of Judith, Judith Myers like, yeah. on the bed. And yeah. then the Bob or not Bob. Yeah. Bob's body, like swinging from the ceiling actually like scared me. Cause I'm just like, Whoa. yeah, I didn't expect that to happen. Like it just jump scared me. And then, yeah, Linda has a stupid look on her face. She's like cross-eyed. Yeah. <laughs> so funny enough, like, I don't know, man. I, 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 keep, I keep going back to like Michael just being like, damn, man, this guy really likes studying up like the atmosphere, bro. This guy took his time to get all the bodies, fucking lined them together, get the headstone. I don't know where he even got the headstone from. But he just sure, went back to the car, got it. And I know it showed, but like, like where did he keep it? Yeah, had it in the car. He had it in the car, just like lifted it back up, put it on the bed. Yeah. Laid uh, Annie like in a cross. And was there candles there too? Uh, there's a jack lantern. So now oh, so yeah. So he had to light up. Oh, maybe it's already lit. Yeah, the, maybe the Wallaces already had the jack lanterns. That's on. what I said earlier. Yeah. That's, I was confused. I'm yeah, like, why did they have a lit jack lantern in their fucking bedroom? Maybe because they knew that Michael Myers was gonna do this. Yeah, they, that's like we set it up for you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, so. And this is where we get the really cool scene where like she's hiding and then he just kind of like appears from the shadows. I was like, damn, that's actually pretty creepy. Yeah, no, it was really good. It's well done. So this is where it gets a little 
stupid as well because he goes to stab her and like fucking misses misses somehow <laughs> like even though she's like a foot in front of him he like stabs her sleeve yeah and then she f- fucking falls over the railing and somehow doesn't break anything crazy how like he's been so good up to this point and then just like yeah totally just fumbles the bag last second yeah maybe he's been tired from like moving these bodies and <laughs> Lifting headstones all day. Yeah, maybe, honestly. Like, he just, he had to run, he had to move all the bodies into these positions. He had to run back to the car to get, like, a, like, a hundred pound, like, head, like, a two hundred pound, like, stone to yeah. bring upstairs. Man was doing cardio, weightlifting. That's what I'm saying. That's why he's breathing so heavily the whole time. This man's fucking out of breath the whole time. He's also doing it in, like, a mask, too. You're wearing a mask and coveralls. Matt is sweating down there, bro. Man couldn't even go to use the shower because his house is fucking abandoned. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he might as well just use the wall assist because everyone's just using their shit anyway. (laughs) So. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's a spinoff I I need to see, man. The, The... how did the wall this feel? How did he come home to all this? <laughs> they come home and see all this stuff in their house, and they're like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> what the hell happened here? Uh, and then they're so freaking traumatized, and the guy's like, I need to go to my fridge to get a drink, and he has no beer. <laughs> so, like... <laughs> It's double room. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. It's double room. Anyway, uh, so I do like a lot of shots in this. I think this chase scene is actually really good, especially some of the shots they get, like the shot of like uh, him coming down the stairs, like really sinister. Yeah. And then like the shot of him like slowly walking from the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is where I said this is where the trope of killer slowly walks everywhere to get you yeah no it's uh all this point moving forward it's like it's like all the action beats are really clicking you know it becomes the classic like final girl standoff yeah exactly any what what are you saying no i I was about to say yeah maybe they didn't get it right the best time because i do think that laurie's decision making it was not the best (laughs) It's, I feel like it's more realistic decision-making when you're in, like, a panic state. Yeah, like, you just found out, like, all your friends are fucking dead. Yeah, and then a guy <laughs> tries to fucking stab you, and you just fell on a sec- from the second story on to- down some stairs. Yeah. So you're not going to be thinking straight. Mm-hmm. It's not, like, so blatantly stupid that you're like, why would you do this? It's, like, sort of makes sense. Like, she does think like about yeah. doing stuff so it's not terrible yeah. but yeah she just isn't making it as great as she does try to get help which the next door neighbors are just dicks yeah you hear a girl screaming outside like help help fucking just nope shut the light off on it's, her it's, it's kind of crazy because like here okay here's the only time I feel like this film would benefit out of this is that it is shown that like a bunch of teenagers just fucking uh, like play pranks and shit yeah, I mean, like they, around the neighborhood. Because now it looks, because that hasn't been established. So the fact that Lori's crying for help and these people are just like, 
turning off the lights immediately. It's kind of like, well, fuck, man. Like, real. Like, Haddonfield's a real dicks out here. Exactly. I'm just like, geez. Like, what the fuck? Like, you don't know what's going on. And, like, you're just going to let this girl. Maybe, I don't mean, maybe they, they, they saw the future already. They're like, nah, we invite this bitch in. This guy's going to kill us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, something. She's screaming about something out there. I don't want any part of it. Yeah, exactly. That's not our issue anymore. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like a you problem. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Annie or Lori runs back across, <laughs> you know, goes in her house and tells the kids to run upstairs. Unfortunately, she left her windows open. Mm-hmm. Again, Michael appears from behind the couch, but he manages to stab him in the neck with like a knitting needle. So she runs upstairs and like, it's fine, kids. I killed the boogeyman. So like, you can't kill the boogeyman. And on cue, he just comes back up the stairs. Yeah. So she goes <laughs> to like, tells the kids to lock the door and she opens like the balcony i guess to make it seem like she ran out the balcony or something i don't know yeah and then she hides in the closet you know tries to lock it up by like tying it shut but he manages to figure out she's in there and then like smashes the closet in but he he stabs him in the eye with like a a cold cold hanger hanger and like he drops a knife so he stabs him in the chest so she gets out of there i kind of i kind of uh like that scene though like in the closet i feel like that's like the more terrifying scenes if you really put that into like real context once again i was even while watching it knowing this was based on black christmas it did seem very similar to the end scene where she runs in the basement and the guy's like banging on the door like trying to knock it down yeah like obviously that the guy was just a regular guy and michael myers is like the fucking superman who just smashes the door open yeah so but yeah, it's, it is terrifying because it's just like you're just trapped there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could also say it's similar to like The Shining where he, as well, where she's in the bathroom there and axes the door down. You know? Yeah. It's probably inspired by a lot of things, but it is a good scene. So she gets out of there, tells the kids to like go down the street to call the police. And sure enough, he's not dead yet. So he gets up, starts choking her. And the meanwhile, the doctor who was waiting for Michael to come back to the house had discovered uh, the the Myers house. Sorry, he discovered his car was just like behind him the whole time, but she didn't look at it for some reason, even though he's standing there for hours. And so he's like, "Oh, he was just walking around the neighborhood, and he sees like the kids running out, like screaming." Yeah. So he's like, "Oh, he's probably there." So he runs in and like, like. I thought this was interesting because he goes and like takes his mask off and he stops choking her to put the mask back on. Like the mask is like his identity. It's like in my way, it's sort of like <laughs> it's a way of him just like his final shred of humanity, like any trace of humanity. He doesn't even want to like look like he's a human being. Yeah. He just wants to be like this blank, emotionless vessel, essentially, for whatever. Yeah. So that's, I thought that was, I thought that was a nice touch, honestly. It really just adds like a layer to the character Mm -hmm. without having to like explain anything. Yeah. So I guess we could talk about the mask. So it's kind of cool. Like, I guess the concept of like how Michael Myers gets his attire. So, uh, in the story wise, you can see how, how he gets his attire. Like he breaks inside the hard, hardware store, takes a mask rope and knives yeah. he killed uh 
a custodian, I guess, or I don't know. He was like, was like a mechanic. Mechanic or something like that. I stole his overalls. His coveralls, sorry. Yeah, coveralls, sorry. Different. So, overalls, yeah. Uh, so I kind of like the conception that like he borrowed a bunch of stuff to create this like unique identity. But behind the scenes, the mask that we haven't really re- referenced uh, yet. Uh, basically... If you know Star Trek, uh, if you know the actor William Shatner, that is his face. Or a mask of his face. A mask of his face. Which, as you know, doesn't really look like people's faces when you have a mask of your face. Yeah, so, like, for, for you like guys who are very interested, if you guys are interested in checking it out, just type in William Shatner mask, and you can see probably, like, the comparisons between this one and, like, the Michael Myers mask. Yeah, and then they just modified it a little bit. Yeah, so basically what they did is that they kind of made the eyes a bit wider. Uh, they um, bully, uh, painted the skin pure white. They messed up the hair. They didn't even, like, touch it. They just messed it up. They took the sideburns out and the eyebrows out, too. Yeah, and then they just, like, spray-painted the hair as well. Oh, they sp- okay. I thought they just like messed it up. I thought they didn't touch the hair. Yeah. So yeah, it ended up giving that effect, and they liked how it looked because they made it look him look emotionless. Yeah. Just sort of a blank face, which is the character. Yeah. Just so, blank. Uh, you know, like every film moving forward, they change the mask every single time. Uh, I'd like to do think that like this is the best like rendition of how the mask looks because it just looks so honest. You know, it looks like like sometimes later in the series they really overdo the design of the mask. Yeah, this is simple, it's just simple, right? Like masks, they don't it's not over the top. It just kind of expresses, you know, the. Yeah. It's the- kind of funny because if you think about like iconic like pieces of how. Uh, uh, horror franchise characters look. I always feel like sometimes, like, more is like the more they continue the series, like, it, the worse it looks. So, I feel like Halloween and Friday the 13th actually have like their shit works in reverse. So, in the beginning, like, with Halloween, like, like the mass is perfect, it just pre- proceeds to get worse throughout the films online. So, and Friday the 13th. It started off so bad with Jason because the guys are wearing like, uh, yeah, I think he is wearing like overalls, a fucking like farmer's like checkered shirt and like a bag on his head, Yeah, you know, and then they traded it for the, like the fucking hockey mask, which is like now iconic. Yeah, I mean, Freddy Krueger one was makeup, right? Yeah, it was all makeup. So, so like his outfit really didn't change as much. Like, if you see New Nightmare, yeah, that would change and whatnot. Uh, Chucky, uh, like, for the first three films, kind of the same. Uh, and then they changed it in Bride of Chucky, where, like, his face is all cut the fuck up now. Which, I think that's, like, the best design for Chucky. But, yeah, like, Scream, they don't really change anything, because it's, like, the same fucking Halloween mask. Yeah, they just buy at the store. Yeah, they just buy at the store, so... Yeah, like Letterface, maybe you could argue that like the first one is the best looking one. We had like three masks in the first one. Like his first original one, though, with uh, the right. Yeah, 
anyways, all I'm just saying is that like that's the origin of the mask, and then um, I I really just appreciate the the first Michael Myers mask. It's 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 iconic, and it looks the best. Yeah, it's good. So anyway, after the doctor busts in, he just shoots. Puffs, puffs a cap in his ass. Yeah, I just, I kind of, once again, I still thought this was really well done because it's like he shoots him once and then he goes in the room and he's just like standing there in the shadows, like not moving, not reacting at all. Yeah. It's like he's expected this or something. And then he just gets shot, which once again, the physicality of this looks kind of jank. He's just like waving it like, huh, huh, huh. Yeah. Like he's a fucking like, you know, Western or something getting shot. Like, <laughs> and then he like falls off. <laughs> just, I thought this was funny because it said in the credits stunt because this was literally the one stunt in the film where he falls <laughs> off the the balcony. Yeah. There was no other stunts in the film. So, they, so you know who, so what he was doing. Even, they couldn't even list it as stunts. They listed it as stunt. <laughs> he, did, he did the stunt. Yeah. So, yeah, he falls off the balcony, and then Laurie's just sitting there crying, like, oh, I think that was the boogeyman. And the doctor's like, yep, it was. He goes to check on the body, and he's gone. And you just hear, like, the breathing over, like, shots of, like, the previous scenes. Yeah. And then that's the end of the film. Well, if you want to watch the conclusion to that uh, story, watch Halloween 2. Uh, if you want to see the official canon version... Do not watch Halloween 2. Watch Halloween 2018. <laughs> that's the official one? Yeah, because that's the new one moving forward. Because like the 2018 one just like, like discards everything except for the original. Yeah, so that's uh that's Halloween. Yeah, so 10 out of 10. Like I already said, I'm going to give it... Uh, Obviously, I know it has problems. It's not the best movie in the fucking world, but I'm a, I'm a little bit biased when it comes to this just because I just have too much nostalgic effect on Halloween. Uh, and it's one of those movies that like I like I love listening to the behind the scenes of it. I love just the idea of like like how much of a gorilla like shoot that like they had to endure for like 20 fucking days just working on it you know so i love it it's always gonna be a 10 out of 10 i will watch it every like other halloween it's a tr tradition yeah i'm giving this an 8.5 yeah i mean it's a good movie honestly i think it's one of the better horror films i've seen it's up there honestly like, like I said, I wasn't that into it in the beginning, but it's like, it grew on me. It grew on me. It really did. Yeah. And it really, I think the fact that the way they had the atmosphere constantly and the really helped with the, um, anything that something like previously black Christmas would have been, I considered would be a pacing issue. The fact that they made it, the atmosphere of Michael Myers so omni, so present throughout the film, it really helped like mm -hmm. a lot and uh the soundtrack as well also really helped a lot the fact that they had like so many of these older horror movies i've noticed just don't use a soundtrack a lot of the time like a lot of the scenes will just be silent yeah like in the background the fact that they use this so much 
really added to the atmosphere and so mm-hmm. i'm getting 8.5 maybe leaning towards a nine mm-hmm. even so somewhere somewhere in that range but yeah it's a great movie and yeah for a slasher film it's like i said it's not very it's hardly gory or bloody in fact i think they, uh, yeah it's i think specifically <laughs> john carpenter tried to make it toned down because he made previously very over the top gory film like was a bay of blood or something or salt on precinct 13 or something yeah so he tried to tone it down and it works because you don't you don't need like gore you don't need like over the top like a slice a man in half sort of kills all the time like yeah i mean like obviously moving throughout the series like they always up their their violence and gore it seems like that becomes like the thing where people like only really care for and like look uh it's kind of weird because i'm kind of like in the i'm in between i like movies that are gory and like really crazy kills that's why like the only reason why i kind of like tolerate the friday the 13 series like it's it's so bad the fucking characters are horrendously bad but like the kills are like entertaining like the one where they beat a person in a sleeping bag with another person in a yeah bag. it's fucking it's like so stupid it's like it's of course like it's the same reason why i like final destinations you know like, like stupid the gory the, kills the rube goldberg machine kills yeah like and for this film like yeah like i like it because it just doesn't need that gore it doesn't need to be that like it's perfect the way it is yeah it was like i was saying it's like it's a kind of film that like is like in your mind after you watch it like it's creepy it's scary after the fact (laughs) you've watched it just because of how the atmosphere is built up throughout the film it's sort of like you go to bed and you're like oh what if like the guy's standing like outside my door like my bedroom door like you don't fucking know yeah like he's just everywhere essentially he's literally the boogeyman so Mm -hmm. so yeah good film uh would recommend it's i mean if anyone cares it's only like an hour and a half too yeah (laughs) long like we talking about this film was longer than watching the fucking movie so (laughs) yeah i mean this is one of jimmy's favorite films so it's fine to talk uh, about it exactly um yeah we're gonna end that and we're gonna end our spooktober season with this kind of uh makes sense probably gonna drop this during halloween day yeah so november uh we might do some stuff we might some do some stuff holiday season we can do some holiday films again hopefully hopefully i'm thinking we'll do all the, let's do all the not holiday films that are holidays we'll do die hard yeah we'll do, uh <laughs> it's a wonderful life (laughs) i'll debate anyone that that's not a christmas movie uh we could talk about um harry potter harry potter i don't know like some people think it's like a holiday film type of thing like that's a stretch well okay yeah but it gets played during like holiday seasons for some reason because it's a christmas in it at one point like (laughs) okay buddy (laughs) People just like to say you want to watch Harry Potter. Well, like, uh, yeah, I'm gonna judge you. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe if you're if, if you're supporting J.K. Rowling, 
you know, once again, we're not getting too political on the show. <laughs> jingle all the way. Gremlins. Gremlins. Oh, yeah. Some people say that's a holiday film. Too. A Stranger in a House. Batman Returns. Yeah, definitely. Batman Returns. <laughs> yeah, bro. We're just not watching the other ones. Just watch Batman Returns. Uh, uh, Rise of the Guardians. I just seen that. Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon. Friday After Next. Come on. We got to bring Friday back. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Huh? <laughs> what? I never saw it. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. No. Classic. Um, speed. No, rain, reindeer games. I was gonna say speed. That's definitely. <laughs> I don't even know how. Well, it looks like it looks like the cover of a fucking thing. The Family Man, Bad Santa. The Family Man is just like, isn't that just? It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> Trading places. Trading places. And also not a what? Okay, people are just like okay, people. If you want to watch a movie during the Christmas time, just watch it. Like no one's gonna stop you. You don't have to make up weird like excuses or be like, well, technically this is a Christmas film. Like I don't care what you watch during the holidays. You can watch Halloween. You can watch like friggin' Saving Private Ryan. You know, watch whatever you want. Like who cares? <laughs> <laughs> I feel I feel like this is touching a, a really hard place for you, man. Exactly. I'm just saying, just watch whatever you want, man. Don't be going around calling it like holiday films and when they're not, you know. Stop mix, stop mixing genres here. <laughs> I'm trying to think of other uh, other things, but yeah, we're just gonna.